Welcome to the Gateworld Podcast. This is episode number 102 of the Gateworld Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. This week on the show, we're talking about Intervention. That's the season two premiere of Stargate Universe, which aired last week on Sci-Fi Channel. And it's airing this week on Sky in the UK. People are seeing this all over the world, in in Australia on Sci-Fi Channel, in Canada on Space. Finally here, it's it's fall, it's season two. Yeah, it's nice that uh, the United States, you know, I mean, like a lot of the territories are, are now seeing the show at the same time. So that's that's really nice, you know. Yeah, and we want to remind everybody that the show has moved to Tuesdays. The ratings are in for the first week, and they're mm. not terrific. So mm-hmm. we hope that that uh, the Tuesday audience finds it and that it builds. If you know DVR it, obviously get yourself a season pass. But otherwise, if you if you can't watch it or don't have DVR, there are lots of ways to watch episodes online, and they show up uh, usually next day, usually Wednesdays. If you live in the U.S., you can watch it with ads on Hulu.com. Or you can download it HD ad-free from iTunes or from Amazon.com. Lots of ways to watch the show. So the dealio is, because the show is airing on Tuesdays now, and we can only record on the weekend, we're going to try and get these podcasts up for you guys to listen to as early as we can on Monday, so that you have at least 24 to 36 hours, hopefully, to listen to the show before the next new one airs. Mm-hmm. So that's not always going to happen, but that's, that's the effort. It's the goal that we're that we're striving for. Okay, so let's leap into it. Talk about intervention. Intervention is, of course, the third part of this three-part series of episodes that began with. Uh, well, actually, it's kind of four. It's more like a four-parter, yeah. Yeah, Rush being captured by the Lucian Alliance in Telford's body and uh, getting uh, the Lucian Alliance to destiny. It's. I think that we might have compared it before to the way that the first season of Stargate SG One ended with There But For The Grace of God, sort of setting up... There was a little bit of an interlude with politics, the clip show. But There But For The Grace of God, like Subversion, set up two-parter. Also, Atlantis did very something very similar in its, in its first and second seasons. Don't forget, you know, with the whole satellite and, you know, letters from Pegasus and that whole thing. There was perhaps an even longer arc with the establishment of uh, the, uh, an impending wraith threat. The wraith are coming, the wraith are coming. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was like a fifth or a fourth of, of that first season was that that threat. But just as soon as we were getting all the uh, the chess pieces taken care of in season one, we've got even more pieces on the board now. And the board is bigger than it was. Yeah, lots of new players with these Lucian Alliance characters. We'll talk about those guys for sure, guys and gals. Uh, at least one gal. So what do you think, as far as a cliffhanger resolution for the big two-parter? I was on the new TV Death Ray podcast recently and said this, and I'll say it again for you and people listening to the Gateworld podcast. It kind of felt to me like two hours worth of incursion at the end of last season was a little bit too much, just sort of us against them, the tension, the fight for the ship, the ultimatums, the gunfire. It felt like definitely too big for a one-part episode, but I went into to Intervention kind of expecting more of the same, kind of expecting a third hour in that vein, and I was very pleasantly surprised that it was not all that. I thought that it was much more interesting in terms of what's going on with the character dynamics, 
Danik is the the bald Lucian Alliance leader here. With Kiva dead, he takes over, and he's kind mm-hmm. of a two-dimensional villain. You know, he's just sort of over-the-top insane. Mm-hmm. But there are other Lucian Alliance characters that, that add all these new dynamics. And then, of course, the B storyline with TJ adds just a, a completely different texture mm-hmm. than anything that we saw at the end of Season 1. Intervention, in my view, it was very much a laundry list. It had a lot to do. I mean, as I was watching it, it, it was very clear to me that, you know, we're going along... Okay, introduce this, resolve this, resolve this, introduce this, resolve this, resolve this, introduce this. And that's kind of what I was focused on watching it. I was trying to process all this that's happening in 41 little minutes, and it's a lot of data to take in. Now that the show has gotten more complicated, in my opinion, they had a lot of balls in the air in this one. And, you know, I mean, we, we go to the planet, we're trapped on the planet for like, I don't know, two minutes, and then we come back. And it's, it was just, the episode had a lot that it had to get done. It was very, it was well achieved, but I felt like we were trying to get it all done so that we could have seven minutes of, like, a throttle back, play the music, you know, set up more stuff for, for season two. You know, it felt very, very hurried. I was honestly expecting the second episode to, to continue this. And obviously, mm. the second episode's called Aftermath, so it, it will continue yeah. those threads. But I was expecting, with all of this data and all the setup that they had in this episode, I was expecting a couple episodes to resolve this initial mm-hmm. uh, event. And they don't. They don't. They, they get it all through this one very quickly. And it feels it feels rushed. Don't you think that's kind of the way that Stargate historically has done its season premieres in terms of the number of well we have we did the the big cliffhanger the previous season so we have these threads to tie up and we have an idea of where we want to go in this season so we have new things to set up maybe not quite to this degree i mean it was kind of funny in incursion part two they had so many cliffhangers it was virtually mm-hmm. everybody was mm-hmm. was on the edge of death was about to die except mm-hmm. for eli was running down the corridor trying to trying to get to the airlock and everyone's okay yeah i mean you kind of had to know i'm not sure how tense that cliffhanger was exactly. i mean it was cool the last shot of of the alliance guys coming in and forcing all the military personnel down onto their knees because they're about to execute them but rushes i mean uh, but tell, awesome last shot yeah. to last season but yeah you kind of figure that young's not gonna get executed it was that that's the the thing that i go back to about cliffhangers i mean with any show me personally i'm kind of tired of them you know they're gimmicky and i mean you can do them so that they're really really interesting and they bring you back in i mean the idea is for for you to for you to talk about it over over the course of the break and it's kind of like that empire to jedi kind of thing you know get get you really interested so that when the next movie or the next next big thing comes out Mm-hmm. Everyone's rushing for the theater, or everyone's rushing to to turn on the Sci-Fi Channel. And if you look at the ratings for this episode, not not many people bought it. You know, I mean, it just or at it, least it, didn't it, didn't follow the show to Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. It just it didn't. If you look at the ratings, if if you stand back and and take a look at it, it didn't really work. It was kind of gimmicky. Ratings ratings discussion aside, I definitely have some opinions about about why the numbers came in where they're at. As far as cliffhangers go, you know, I my favorite cliffhangers are those where I was actually convinced by the show that something might stick. That yeah. some not not just you know threatening death to a character, but some you know fundamental change to a character. We thought after three seasons of TNG that 
Patrick Stewart might be leaving the show, and they might be writing him out by converting him to a Borg. Yeah, and, and offhand, I don't know, but we could we could do a laundry list of Stargate cliffhangers. Yeah, those those that really you know take a, enough of a risk with the character that you, that you recognize that something could fundamentally change yeah. and actually stick. Like this change that's going on with Chloe, that would have been an interesting way to to end the last season mm-hmm. if you see the beginning of some of her transformation that's that's apparently ahead. As much as they did answer in this episode, there is a lot of stuff that they left unanswered. There's a lot of deliberate setup, you know, and there's that it's 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 the kind of show that doesn't explain it all. You have to sit and watch it. You can't do dishes with it in the background. You have to sit there and ingest the images as well as the dialogue. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the, like the thing with Chloe, you're going to miss it. You know, and if and if you've seen if you've watched the teasers, you get an idea as to where that's going. But it's some really cool stuff. You, you, they kind of glaze over the fact that oh, she's fine, she's fine now. The the bullet, uh, it's that was all resolved. You know what happened to her? That's something that they're obviously going to going to explore this season. They don't you don't you don't make a mistake like that and just just continue on your merry way. Clearly set up for. Uh, an interesting setup at that for uh, for something that's going to be coming up a little bit later. Yeah, and she's looking at the bullet wound on her leg in the And that's not the only thing there. Closing shots. It looks like it was a through and through. Bullet went through her leg and out the other side because there's like an entry wound and an exit wound. I uh, think that, that the thing that you're interpreting as the exit wound is the first possible sign of uh, something happening to her. Oh, you think something else? If you look hmm. at If you look at the bullet wound on the side of her leg and then look at this elongated kind of kind of tendril on the top of her leg it's something very different Mm. yeah it definitely was not a a sort of well she was injured in the last one but she's feeling very much better now thank you but it makes Uh, it sound like a throwaway like that yeah it's definitely set up so the lucian alliance is in control now danik the bald lucian alliance guy is in control he's a little bit psycho and varro who's uh, uh we saw in his sort of early relationship with TJ at the end of last season, it's kind of it's a kind of a nice solution alliance guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he seems to like TJ personally. Maybe he has romantic interest in her, and he's very much um, cooler heads prevailing. He convinces Danik not to execute everybody, but instead to take the military mm-hmm. and put them off the ship. Convinces him to use the communication stones to bring some doctors from Earth, including <laughs> yes, the, this was great, Doctor Brightman. Doctor Brightman comes back. Yeah, yeah. Much, much better for, for that character. A much, much longer, more fulfilling visit uh, than previously. Great actress. Uh, I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, that's fun. And then not a whole lot of time for our secondary characters to get much play, but we do see Lieutenant James on the planet. We, we do see Sergeant Riley and find out. I think, wasn't he in the hailstorm of bullets at the end of Incursion? I don't really, it's possible. I don't specifically remember seeing him, but yeah, he's he's on his feet, barely. He's okay. Yeah, he's okay. He seems to have some sort of head wound, but he's he's up and going. Pretty much everyone makes it out there to the planet, but and there's a lot of interesting stuff that's happening on, on the ship, too. You know, Rush, Rush is kind of up to his old tricks in terms of making sure that he's going to be okay. He's in, he's in a place where, you know, there's going to be breathable oxygen. And anything else, anyone outside of that room, you know, they're expendable. Uh, we've kind of seen that before. But the, I think the character is still evolving at the same time. So. Well, yeah, this is an interesting comparison between Rush and Colonel Young. Remember what Colonel Young said as soon as the Lucian Alliance arrived? which was that he was going to take the ship back and save everybody, basically yeah. all the hostages. 
And then before long, the hostages start getting killed. So this is Young's plan, and he fails. And Rush, on the other hand, considers the crew, you know, our own people, to be expendable. Uh, but he actually ends up getting the ship back without any further loss of life. Mm-hmm. He manages to pull it off. Yeah. It's very straightforward. This 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 episode is very straightforward. It is, and you know what? All the stuff going on on Destiny and all the all the stuff going on uh, on the Obelisk planet with TJ, I loved seeing Stargate. I loved seeing uh, a puddle pass and Colonel Young walking, you know, reluctantly through through the event horizon. Yeah, and I love seeing when when Varro and his men get exiled by Danik and they show up on the planet that I'm here because familiar... I stuck up for you. Yeah. 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 But, but before the Kawoosh, that very familiar sound of the Stargate connecting, I, mm-hmm. it, it just, it's, it's great to have that stuff on this mm-hmm. show because the show is so different uh, from SG one in Atlantis. It's great to have those touch points. You know, as, as much as the, the planet stuff felt rushed to me, rushed as in quick, not rushed as in Nicholas, it, was th- those visual effects were extraordinary. I-, I kept on asking myself, where the heck did they shoot that thing? Where did they shoot that planet? That mm-hmm. is, that was just terrific with the lightning and the rain and and everything. Very well done. Even though it, the the planet was like three minutes of the episode, you know, with the caves and you know being. Aren't you glad it was caves. though? Yeah, because there's there's suspicion based on where we left off last year that we may we might be doing a Voyager. And have uh, have basics, which is how Voyager started out its second season. Yeah. With sort of the crew is stranded on this planet, and there's this species, and we just have this sort of little adventure. Yeah, it did, yeah I didn't think of that until now, but it, it kind of has a basics part two, ending of part one vibe to it. But I mean, that's you know, that's I don't I don't hold that against them for that. I mean, that's that's basically basically what happened. Um, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that they they could have done a whole lot more on the planet. And yeah. it was less like Basics Part 2. Yeah, there could have been a sandworm dwelling creature that ate the crew, and there could have been primitives on the planet that they had to communicate with. And... Okay, so back on the ship, Lucian Alliance people, we've met Danik, he's the crazy bald guy. We've met Varro, he's the cooler heads prevail. There's new characters that are introduced that are going to be sticking around for a while. Robert Nepper's character of Simeon. I expected this guy to have more to do. It's, it's an interesting choice, though, because he wasn't around for the previous season, so they, I think they kind of played it like you know he isn't that important in the hierarchy of the of the team, and that and that's kind of how they explain it away, in, in by not being in last season. He's not the he's not the highest guy or the lowest guy on the totem pole, whichever is mm-hmm. is more prominent, you know. And now that Kiva is off, his role is stepping up, and thus we are seeing him. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he's very cool, very collected. And really, his only significant scene is with Telford. When Telford wakes up, he recovers right. from his wounds. And he's sort of quizzing him about, hey, what happened with you and Kiva? I think he suspects that Telford is not on their side anymore. Any predictions about Telford? Um, we saw at the end of the episode, we saw Varro's people being ushered into this room where they're holding the Lucian Alliance, basically prisoners at this point. Uh, but we certainly didn't see Telford in there. At least mm-hmm. I didn't. So that's kind of the big question is if you want to maintain the ruse and, and try and continue to use it to your strategic advantage, then you've got to put Telford in that room and treat him like a, a Lucian Alliance prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think if Telford doesn't go into that room with them, then guys like Simeon are going to start to think or basically have it confirmed that, that 
the brainwashing has been broken. Mm-hmm. I really want. I really want to get on to this this bit about TJ and Kane and the obelisk planet again. I thought that, that was the most uh, fascinating uh, part of this episode. Yeah. Um, before we jump to that, though, what did you think of Jin? She's the cute redhead Lucian Alliance scientist who uh, put a bullet in the back of uh, someone who wanted her dead. Watch your back. <laughs> did you see that that one coming? Um. That she yeah, was going to yes be the trigger no. I, I I wasn't surprised when when she did that. Uh, I'm certainly glad she did. But that's that's also you know a, a setup for uh, another character that uh, has the potential of being redeemed, being such a scuzz bucket in the beginning uh, to uh, someone the original destineers, as uh, the lovely Diana <laughs> put it, uh, can come to uh, uh, eventually ultimately respect and perhaps make their own. Well, she's not a scuzz bucket by any stretch of the imagination. Well, she's a Lucian she's, Alliance officer. Yeah, so. she's part of an invading force. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see what happens with that character. Yeah, it's all Dan interesting, is, by the way. Danik's response to her when she sort of loses control of the yeah. computer systems is kind of... He's taking a page from Kiva. Remember, in, You're in, no uh, longer useful. Was it, was it at the end of Subversion or was it in Incursion Part 1? I think it was at the end of Subversion where she has the scientist who has been working on trying to dial to the destiny, and she's got Rush now mm-hmm. and is willing to put a bullet in her little scientist helper. Mm-hmm. Very dispensable. It's a, it's a powerful motivator. Interested to see more from Jin, and it does seem like the Lucian Alliance knows more. I think we speculated They about made that this. comment. Did you notice that they in this episode? They know more about destiny than, than we do, I think. Yeah, they, yeah one I of think... them makes the comment that, you know, they don't know why this ship is here. We do. Okay, so TJ. TJ and Kane is back again. Mm-hmm. Um, Pleasant surprise. We saw him in the trailer, so we knew he was coming back. Yes. But I didn't expect it to be in the first episode. I didn't either. I didn't either. That was very interesting. This is a thread that I hoped that they would revisit, and, and now they have, where you know this, uh, this group of settlers is revisited with, with Kane as their kind of their leader. They're now um, the planet is now in winter. And they have stumbled upon all the comforts of home, a bunch of cabins in the wilderness that have, that's kind of been prepared for them. I love this idea of an alien race that we cannot quantify or perhaps ne- might never even see is looking over us and, is, um, and occupies a very large region of space out here in, in the outer universe. I think that it's, it's cool that, uh, that the baby was saved. Uh, though, though this is this is kind of an, an interesting point of this of this whole sequence, you know. They they ex- I, I think what Ming Na's character, what Camille implies, is that the, the baby was taken out of her, yet the baby is on this planet, and TJ never left the ship, yet she was on this planet. What do yeah, you think about Kane that? says Kane says the people on the ship saw something different. So they won't understand. Understand, because mm-hmm. uh, to them, TJ just you know. This was obviously all in her head. This, this was her subconscious sort of dealing with the fact that she's lost her baby. But it wasn't. Um, and presumably there is, there is um, you know, they, they took something out of TJ. But not only do we have TJ, I mean, it's not apparently not just her consciousness that goes to this planet, but she's there physically. Yep. She's interacting with people. She's lifting up her baby, who is now a full-grown newborn. Mm-hmm. As far as the aliens go, it's oh, okay. In faith, we found this giant obelisk and evidence that they had created the planet and the solar system. 
and refresh my memory, that was because the Cedar ships had didn't have any record of. Yeah, of that the, the Cedar ships didn't record it, and it was suddenly there, and they had to alter course in order to get out of the system. The Destiny did. The Destiny had to compensate for it. Yeah. So the fact that, however little time it was between the Cedar ship going by and Destiny going by, mm-hmm. this solar system came into existence. Mm-hmm. So these guys are so advanced. I mean, they probably make the ancients look like. I don't know, the Lucian Alliance. Uh, but yeah, uh, the speculation in faith was that, hey, maybe these guys will come back and they'll help us out. They'll help us get back to Earth. What Kane says in this episode is they, in fact, knew that we were there from the moment we stepped on the planet. Mm-hmm. They're very aware of, of events that were going on, of TJ's decision to leave so that Kane and the rest of them would be allowed to stay behind, that sacrifice that she made. Uh, and they were sort of wanting to honor that sacrifice by saving her baby. Yeah. Uh, so they're not only paying attention to Kane and the people on the planet, but they're apparently they're watching keeping Destiny. tabs on Destiny. Yeah. I th- Kane's interpretation of, of what this race or what this entity or aliens are doing is, is one that is very just and one that follows a, a structure of law or, 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 or uh, action and consequence. Because TJ left, she is not allowed to return at least by whatever means they allowed the baby to come and they seem to have a they seem to have a very benevolent side to them where they wanted the baby to live so they saved it very surprising i, I wasn't expecting this baby to sur- survive at all so that was a yeah. very interesting choice yeah and i love kane's character even more than i did last season he seems to be obviously very in touch with these aliens um it's sort of added a, a new depth to his character to his spirituality in faith he was just sort of, he just was believing you know it was, yeah. it was almost this this blind faith of hey there's evidence of super powerful aliens so mm-hmm. i believe this is our best chance he's really kind of a soulful guy now and the, this line that they used in the trailer you know out here on the edge of the universe who you are and what you believe is everything yep um, i just love that it's beautiful dialogue. I love how this episode finished. I, I I love the scene of TJ with the nebula, because that it answers it answers the question: was was she hallucinating or not? You know, you you get that answer with this. As soon as I you saw think so? the, yeah, as you think as, it's definitive. Yep, I do. I th- I think it's pretty dang clear. the The nebula that she saw on the planet is the same nebula that she sees, or an identical pattern that she sees outside the Destiny window. The first thing I thought of when I saw that was Luke two twelve, and this shall be a sign mm-hmm. unto you. It is it is a sign for her that what she experienced was real. That's that's why she saw that, and that's why she's seeing that again, so that she knows that what she experienced really happened. Uh, mm-hmm. You you can't imagine some nebula like that and then a few hours later see it outside of your ship's window yeah not only had tj obviously had no way of seeing it before she went unconscious but destiny took an ftl jump in order to get there yep it was not at the pulsar location and that actually was while i was writing up our analysis notes which you can find in the episode guide on GateWorld. it made me realize what if the aliens have some sort of connection to destiny herself why would destiny come out at this point exactly where this this nebula looking thing is we're apparently not dialing to any planets so yeah i love the 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 themes of faith and belief that that tj has been given this this sort of uh, seeing the nebula is is like a touchstone that confirms that what she experienced was real but yet she has she has no proof she has no proof 
she really has uh, obviously not to show anybody else. And Young is certainly beating himself up over it. I think uh, we're we're looking at the the first page of a new dark chapter for him. Yeah, I think he's still on his way down. Well, his daughter's dead. To a further abyss. Yeah, he had a child on the way, and as far as he's concerned, that child is gone. Yeah, did you listen to Chad's interview with Louis Ferreira? I have not heard it yet. That's up on GateWorld, and Louis says something really interesting, which is that Young is going to this dark place, and he it's like he needs something to give him that spark again that he's missing, to mm. re-energize his life. And he thinks that a baby could be that, that the idea of being a father could be that, that spark that reignites him. So then the idea that this baby is now gone, maybe TJ tells him what, what happened to her and that she's convinced that the baby's alive could complicate things even further. Yeah, so I definitely like this episode. It was, I think it was a very strong start to the season. And I think it was so strong because of the TJ storyline, because it wasn't just wrapping up the Lucian Alliance threat. I think that this is honestly one of the weaker episodes that I've seen. It has it had a lot that it had to do. It had a a, a lot uh, like I said at the beginning. It had a laundry list. I think that my opinion of this overall season, when it's done, is that this may be the weakest episode of the season. Hearing a little bit about some of the the episodes that are coming, I think that this one won't be able to hold a candle to it. The content of this episode well, that was, might speak very well of the rest of the season. I know that I I I think that we're in for a good year. I I just don't think that this one really really met up to my expectations. They. That this one had a lot that it had to do. It's kind of like the pilot, you know. It had sure. to it had to resolve all of this stuff so that they could move on to the next episode. I, I felt that this episode had a, a lot that it had to do and was brought to a, a certain standard because of it. Uh, and I, I think ultimately the 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 show is capable of a lot more. And we're I feel gonna, like a lot of see that in season two. I feel like a lot of what was going on in season one. This this was was in the same vein. The episode divided being sort of the the pinnacle example, which is you have two parties on Destiny who are fighting for control of Destiny, and they're just on the radio back and forth to each other, saying, "I'm in control." No, I'm in control. Give me back control. That's that that's sort of what the the final loose end with the incursion that needed to be tied off. And I I certainly hope, although we've got we've got obviously conflict between the two parties going on. I hope that that going back and forth over the radio of of who's going to control the ship, the c- computer systems is is uh, is done for now. If you've seen the trailer, you have an idea of who's ultimately going to be in control, possibly. So, oh, there's a whole lot of stuff coming up, and yep, it's an, it it's going to be an interesting week. year. It's going to be a very interesting year. Both of those trailers are just cool. Yeah, and I've read some info on 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 the episodes coming up, and there's just so many that I think are, are just cool story ideas. And I'm really looking forward to them. Well, of course, episode two of the season is airing this Tuesday on Sci-Fi Channel. The title is Aftermath, and that will be the topic of next week's podcast on or around Monday, October 11th. And then mm. we'll be talking about episode three, Awakening, on October 18th. And then Robert Carlyle, who plays Nicholas Rush, directed episode four, Pathogen. I'm looking forward to Awakening. I've heard a little bit about that, and I think that that's going to be a very important show. That's all the show we've got this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Go ahead and give us a call on the podcast hotline. That number is... It's area code 951-262-1647. Give us a call. You can also email in an audio recording to webmaster at gateworld.net. 
And just try and get it in by Saturday, maybe Sunday at the latest. It uh, gives you plenty of time to watch the episode on Tuesday and then formulate your thoughts. And we'll try and include that in next week's show, as many calls as we get. And special thanks also to Russell for editing this week's show once again. Anything else we got going on this week? Uh, stay tuned in the next uh, several days for the next episode of the Tammy Zone. More Tammy Zone is coming your way. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you've listened to it. And of course, uh, life-saving show notes for this episode. Number 102, Intervention, are now up at GateWorld.net if you want to read more about any of the people, places, things, or episodes that we mentioned on this podcast. It's also a great place to comment about uh, the episode that you've heard. From GateWorld, this is Darren. This is David. And come on back next week for more of the GateWorld podcast. See you then.